everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. I don't know about you, but um, sometimes I think that if you want to understand something in the Bible, when you see it happen... You go, oh, it's like that. And I think if I were to offer to you today, what's the story of Acts about? It's this. We just experienced the story of Acts. And let me explain what I mean by this. Sometimes when I get done reading the Bible, I I treat it, frankly, like it's just another story. Like, that's really cool. There are good morals there. That lives there. Like, that's great. But the best part about the Bible is that it's not just a story that was intended to be read. It's a story that's intended to change how we live. And Acts is for sure one of these stories. And today we're wrapping up this series on the book of Acts that we've been in since Easter. April 16th is when we dove into the book of Acts. We're done today. We finished last week, chapter 18. We haven't finished the book, but we've really gotten the idea of what we're about. And if today is your first Sunday, or if you're a kiddo and you've been in the basement and you're like, Am I, is, this, is this even matter to me? Like, are you going to catch me up on the whole thing? Today, we are going to put a bow on the whole book of Acts. I hope in a way that you just go, man, this book, it sounds so cool. The beauty of the Bible is that it's like no other book. So what has the story of Acts changed in you? Maybe for those of you who have been coming for a while or even just the last few weeks, is there a particular week that has stuck out to you where you went, man, God just stirred something in me. Even if I still don't totally know what it is, what would that be for you? And really the question we're asking today is, what is the point of this book? What's going on? And the beauty of this book, the book of Acts is written by a doctor. His name is Luke. And Luke actually wrote a couple of books in the Bible, the book of Luke and the book of Acts, which is meant to be its sequel. And the great thing about doctors is that they're really good at explaining, here's how this works. And the cool thing in the book of Acts is that right out of the gate in chapters one and two, Luke, the doctor, is saying, I just want you to know, I'm about to write this story, but in chapter one and chapter two, I'm going to tell you exactly what the point of this story is. And he says it for the first time in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he says this. Now, this, at this point in the story, is Jesus, post-Easter. Jesus has come back to life off of the cross. It's this fantastic scene. And for the next 40 days, he's hanging out, talking with, teaching his disciples again, who now are going, oh, that's what you meant when you said that you were going to die. And Jesus is like, can I make it any more clear exactly what I meant by that? He's reteaching them. Here's the Old Testament. Here's how all of these things fit back together. Here's what I'm getting ready to send you for. And then this day comes. I'd be so curious to know how this day started. If Jesus would have grabbed his friends right after breakfast and said, hey, we're going to head out down by the beach because the day's come. It's time for me to move on to the next thing. And as he's talking with his friends at one point, they're not totally sure, like, is a bus going to come? pick them up? Are you going to like hop on a motorcycle and take off? Are you just going to walk on water and like do that cool thing again? What happens now? And this is what happens. Jesus gives a super short speech and he finishes with this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And then, what nobody was expecting, this cloud comes down and surrounds him, and all of a sudden, Jesus is just gone. Which, if I'm one of Jesus' friends, I'm like heartbroken in this moment. Where's my friend? Where's my leader? What am I supposed to do now? And it was about 50 days after this that this amazing event happens. It was a party that Jewish people would have every single year. It was a party called Pentecost. And something happened that particular Pentecost. They were all hanging out together, bellies full, partying, excited, when all of a sudden this happened. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. This is weird. This is a really weird passage. If you've never heard this before, there's tongues like all of a sudden all over the place. This is like a golden retriever mom who just had a whole litter of puppies and just licking everybody. Just tongues everywhere. That's the ethos of this scene. But it's a fiery tongue. It's not burning people. But we talked about at the very beginning of the series, it's really just reflecting, man, this is the presence of God. And for forever in the history of these Jewish people, God lived in a house. It was called the temple or the tabernacle. And it looked like fire. It looked just like this. But now all of a sudden, in this moment, in this party of Pentecost, God is saying, ah, do you want to know where I live now? I live in you. Every single one of you, not just like the cool, put together, nice people, anybody who's willing to come follow me, I live in you. You're my house now. What an amazing story. And so as we begin to just put these two little passages together, it becomes really clear what Dr. Luke is wanting us to understand as the purpose of the story of Acts. The Holy Spirit does come, just like Jesus says. And this is the Holy Spirit of God. This is God's presence. This is who God is just coming to be with us and in us and around us and through us. God with us. That was one of Jesus' names. And he's still doing it. He's making it unmistakably clear that he's wanting to be here. And God moves his location into them. And so one of the things that this does is it allows them to break down barriers. When God is in you and when he's in a group of people, it just breaks down barriers. In this particular group, the barrier it breaks down is we don't have to worry about language anymore. We can just speak across languages in this particular story. It's amazing. There's people from all over the world and they can hear in perfect clarity in their own language the story of Jesus and what's going on. These people then start doing some other things that we won't read in the text, but it's just clear as you go through the whole story of Acts, you see these themes over and over and over again. They share their money. They start feeding each other. They just share what they have. They spend lots of time together. And for this group of people, it doesn't matter to them who you are or what you've done or what's been done to you. You're a part of this family if you want to be. If you're sick, you'll be taken care of. If you're lost, you just found home. And if you've never had a roof over your head, you've got one now. This group of people, one of the barriers that it starts to break down is the barrier of family. Who's allowed in and who's not allowed in? And in this family, everyone is welcome. It's beautiful. Now, it's a bit odd, 
I think, especially in our modern day context, that Jesus said, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. It'll start in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria. It's like this big ripple effect that he's setting up. He said, you will be my witnesses. Isn't it odd that the first thing that happens is this group of people just plunk down and they start acting like a family? Is, is that what he meant? I mean, I think that there's a lot of missions organizations out there that would freak out. It would say like, no, if you're going to be witnesses, you've got to like print off tracts and you've got to go out and you've got to hand them out to people or you've got to do all these things, but you've got to go. You have to like get out there. And for this group of people, they, in their obedience and as they were being led by the Holy Spirit, they said, okay, we're going to be God's witnesses to the entire world. What should we do? Have everybody over for dinner. That's amazing. What's going on in that part of this story? It seems that being witnesses means that their life would reflect a reality. I mean, that's what being a witness is, right? A, being a witness in a crime is like you see something bad happen and you're just able to say, I saw what happened. I saw what's true. For these people, for them to be witnesses of Jesus, they would say, well, we, we've seen God. We've seen what he's like. But it seems like there's more than that going on here. It's not just their ability to say, here's what I saw. Their whole life reflects it. It fundamentally changes their reality. Who you are shows the message that you carry if you're a part of this family. So for them, to be a witness of God means that when people saw them, they saw something of God. They saw a community that acted like a family. And when they saw that, they were seeing God in action. And that's the beginning of the invitation of the book of Acts to all of us. First, it's important to, that this invitation to this family isn't about doing anything. You don't have to perform a certain way or look a certain way. It has nothing to do with your actions, with doing. It's just like any family. It has everything to do with being. I don't have to try and be a part of my family. I just am. I was born into it. I, I don't have to do a thing. I just be a part of my family. In my family, we don't have to make a to-do list that says, okay, I need to make sure I hug you three times a day, that we tell the truth, that we're joyful, that we seek to be kind, and we try to have fun eating dinner together. Do those things. You don't, you don't write those things down. Sometimes you're reminded to do those things, but that's like, you just are family. You just do those things. So if we're going to be witnessed, we actually shouldn't be witnessed primarily for what we do, but we should be witnessed primarily for what we are being. It's like our game. When we see God clapping, we don't just want to start clapping just because that's what we saw. I mean, if we were to dig under this game, if we were to see more of what this story is doing in us, it's not just about do what you see me doing. It's be what you see me being. When we see pictures of God in Scripture all the time, we see him moving towards people, loving people, caring for people, creating communities and joy and culture wherever he goes. And if, if we're going to emulate that, that has way less to do with making a list and going, I need to hug three times a day. I need to tell the truth. I need to make sure that we enjoy having dinner together. And it's more about like ease in and be what we see God being. Let me 
try and paint this picture a little bit differently. There was a Russian iconographer years ago. His name was Andrei Rublev, and he painted a picture of what God looked like, the Trinity. And this is the picture that he drew. If somebody asked you to draw a picture of God, what would you draw? For Andre, this is what he drew. Now, I think this looks incredibly stale. <laughs> this looks old. They don't look like they're having that much fun. Their eyes are sad. But there's a community to what's going on here. They're eating a bowl of olives together. There's an invitation to an open seat where you as the viewer sit. Now, this is a really cool painting, actually, the more that you get to know about it. But here's what I think is the most fun. There was a guy, his, um, his name is uh, Paul Rivas, and he was listening to another theologian talk about this painting, and he said, man, I would love to just put a modern-day spin on this. If I could draw a picture of what I see God as, here's what I would draw. And this is Paul Rivas. Can you see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Can you see this three-in-one God? Now, kids in the room, I just, and for adults, for crying out loud, one of, like, a pastor's biggest fear in the world is putting together a room of people between the ages of eight months old and 90 and having to explain the mystery of the Trinity. This is like, <laughs> this is crazy. But to be clear, God is not three gods. That's not what we believe. However, we do believe that God is a unified three. He is a three-in-one. He is a trinity. So when we look at a picture like this, we're not seeing three separate gods. We're seeing what God is. We're seeing what God is being all the time. And so as we continue to journey into the story of Acts, we see people freely loving and submitting to each other, depending on each other, working together to do good and to be true and what is beautiful in the world around them. Even if it means that they have to suffer and sacrifice, they are unified together. Notice the hand of the man on the right. He seems to be like beckoning or inviting. They just love they can't help but love. They can't stop inviting. They include. They just, this is who they are. Yes, it's what they do, but this is what God is. God is a community. He is a family. And as Luke is beginning the book of Acts, his whole point, and then every story that comes afterwards is just a reminder, don't forget, this is what God looks like. You're invited to be in this family. It's beautiful. So often, I think, in the Christian world, we can get caught up in this idea of what are the actions? What do you have to do? I want to get this right. What if the invitation is way less about doing and way more about just being and being a part of a family together? I think one of the great griefs post-COVID for me and I was not in a lead pastor role during or immediately after COVID, was watching so many friends of mine say, I don't know if we're going to go back to church. This is what God is. This is what it looks like. This is what the whole thing means, is to come together and be family together and do what we see God doing, to be what we see God being. That's the invitation. And we celebrate that. That is what Acts has been teaching us over and over and over again. This is the story of Acts. It's 
since April 16th. You've been hearing this in iterations over and over and over again. God's a family. You're welcomed into this family, not just to do what this family does, but to be what this family is being. I'm going to welcome out the band as I land with just a couple thoughts for all of us. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you are welcome in this family. If you've had a really bad experience of what family is, but you know that there is a good and true and beautiful version that must exist somewhere, man, let me tell you, here at Discovery, we are imperfect. We're not going to get it all right, but we're part of this story of Acts. We're still learning what it looks like to reflect a God like this. We're a group of people who aren't just doing what we see God doing, but we are actually trying to be what we see God being. And the most important, whether your experience of family in your own personal life has been good or bad, the most good and the most true and the most beautiful version of family is out there. It's God. It's the coolest thing about it that he's not closed off. He hasn't found and created this perfect family and put his arms around it and says, keep everybody out because they'll ruin it. He just keeps inviting people in. He's always inviting us to it, to learn how to be a part of it. You're invited. You're invited to know. Whether you've called yourself a follower of Jesus for a long time, you're invited to know it better. Whether you're somebody who's just checking out the claims of Christ, just know the invitation is fully wide open to you. And as you drive home today, maybe just consider these two questions in your car ride. As a couple, as a family, even if you're just a single person, what's your favorite thing about God? What is it about him that you just like the most? And the second question would be this. What's one way you could just be like that this week? Not to just do it, but to become like it. For those who are able, Let's stand and respond to this God who's inviting us.